Double your pleasure, double your fun. We're back and have the debut of Holy Moly 3D in 2D with two episodes to recap on the podcast. I'm Tom and go by Mr. T and I'm one half of a couple of putts. You can find all the mini golf designs, reviews, and many more fun mini golf things from myself and the Pink Putter over at acoupleofputts.com and on all the social media platforms by and large at Couple Putts. And I'm Pat the Putting Penguin. You may remember me from such endeavors as running a mini golf course review website, filling your social media timeline with fun mini golf stories, or seeing my name on a mini golf tournament scoreboard. And you remember us on the podcast from either our past 19 episodes, which covered mostly the Australian Holy Moly, or our previous reincarnation as We're Gonna Need a Bigger Windmill, where we had long, wandering live video recaps of Season 2 of the U.S. version of Holy Moly. Luckily, as we dig into Season 3, we're going to be reining that in a little bit for the recaps. And the reason, hopefully, that you're listening to us is also you're looking to get a first-hand experience of what it's like to play in Holy Moly, which myself and Pat both have from competing on season one of Holy Moly, as well as having some other experiences and connections to the show that have given us some insight that we'll be sharing throughout. But for now, we're gonna kick things off with a little mini golf news. And the thing that we wanted to highlight in the mini golf world, and in case you hadn't been listening to some of our previous podcasts, were some new mini golf courses that are open right now or opening later this summer. And given that a couple of putts is really focused on mini golf design, and we've done a lot of work on artist design courses, wanted to highlight some of those. So right now you can play at the Nelson Atkins Museum in Kansas City or at the Walker Arts Center in Minneapolis at their artist designed mini golf courses. The Elmhurst Museum south of Chicago is opening their first half of their artist design course in July, and the second half of the course will be opening in October. And finally, the Seattle Art Museum in the middle of August is going to be doing their first artist design mini golf course. And the nights they've put together for the public, they've been selling those nights out really fast and in record time. So if you're in the Seattle area, get some tickets. It should be a really fun course. And finally, we'd mentioned in the past that Swingers, which is part of a chain of more upscale, elegant, really sleek looking mini golf courses in the UK, is coming to the United States and their DC location opened on June 18th, which means is open right now when you're listening to this. So get out there, play some of these new mini golf courses and also support your local courses. And now on to holy moly. We assume for the most part that you're probably watching the season along with us. But in case you haven't been, just some general notes and reminders on how season three is going to be working. There's eight competitors who are going to go head to head in a bracket one hole tournament with each match held on a different hole. The episode winner is going to take home the gold putter, the green plaid jacket, and a chance at the super final for $250,000. Since you're listening to us, don't forget to subscribe, give us a hole in one rating, and tell all your holy moly obsessed friends and family about us. And with that... I'm going to lead us into the Holy Moly Scramble time and our recap of the matchups. So the season kicked off with episode one called Holy Moly Goes Pro. And we got everything started with our first hole, which was a new one for this season called Agony of Defeat. It featured Krista, who's a 34-year-old unicorn of mini golf, up against Ty, who's 32, and his claim is he's really damn tall. It's a new ski slope based hole where ty ends up getting the better position due to his better jump off the slope he ends up with a better tee shot and an excellent second putt to move on and be our first competitor into the second round up next we have another new hole called cornhole and that's going to feature jose who is 51 and the dubbed groundskeeper of mini golf against jordan who's 26 and a long-running theme for the show of holy moly 
an entrepreneur. It's a hole number two style hole with a cornhole base cup. And Jose has not only a great putt, but also dives towards the end to clear the kernels and easily makes his two to go on to the second round as well. The third of fourth holes in the first round is Ho Ho Hole. And that's going to see Ikaika, who's 39 and just an all-around fan of Christmas, up against Elizabeth, who's 22. And while she's a horror fan, works at putting Christmas stuff up at theme parks. If you want to imagine this, just think of it as Santa's version of, of Volcano, or as I've called it before, Disney's Winter Summerland, but deadly. And despite Ikaka getting the main chimney in a better position, Elizabeth makes an absolutely great second putt over the berm, and that punches her ticket to the second round. Finally, rounding out round one is yet another new hole called Turfing USA. Here we had Taylor, who's 32 in a soccer bay, up against Tracy, who's 45, a surfer, and apparently a twerking enthusiast, if that's what you can call that. <laughs> question, question mark, mark, question mark, question mark for the whole episode. <laughs> sort of a surf and turf inspired sort of hole, but whatever way you want to look at it, Tracy gets a really great shot over the wave, uses her surfing background to hang 10 throughout the obstacle, sinks her second putt for the win, and is the last competitor in the semifinals. And that's where I pick it up in the semifinals, where we jump over to Double Dutch and Fuego. And if you've watched the show, it's just Double Dutch Courage, but it's on fire. We have Jose versus Elizabeth. Elizabeth gets knocked in by the first windmill, gets past the second. Jose gets by them both and makes a great second putt after Elizabeth missed her second putt. Jose moves right on to the finale. We bring back our twerking, surfing Tracy against the extra tall tie on a hole that we saw a lot in season two called hole number two that's just filled with mud. Ty does not get a great first putt off and fortunate for Tracy, she does and makes a great second putt. Trend for this show, probably, especially when we get into the final as Tracy won the second hole on two putts, we get to the final where it is now Jose who just won a double Dutch and Tracy who just won on hole two playing on the large bouncing double entendre hole, the pecker. This is a new one to the season. It's a hole where you just have to jump on a big woodpecker over some foam blocks. And I'm gonna talk about it in a little bit. They go down a ramp that's got lots of little wood pieces that are to deflect the ball. It's like a pachinko game. Uh, they both don't get it down the left channel, which is the more advantageous channel, but Jose gets a much, much, much better placement towards the cup. He makes his second putt. Jose, our mini golf groundskeeper who has a mini golf course in his backyard, a man after my own heart, wins our first episode. I should say on the pecker, neither of the people defeated the obstacle. They had to get the little feather off of the pecker's head. They did not. And both on hole number two, they did not get past that obstacle. It's kind of a trend for the episodes. We're going to move on to episode number two and recap that one right away. And that one is Silent Night, Holy Night. We start off episode two with Stefania, a fitness influencer against Blake Sledge, who is a pro golfer who uses a tennis shoe cover for his putter that looks awesome. And they're over to Cornhole again. Pat had described this one. It's a lot like hole number two, except they fall into foam blocks. Blake Sledge makes two great putts, has been the tradition. Both of them fall into the foam blocks. Blake makes that second putt, moves on to the second round. We're back on Ho 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 again, the Christmas-themed volcano nightmare with lots of freezing cold water that both Lance Balcom, the 
mailman who had some really funny videos in his intro, and Emilio, the scientist, tried to defeat the obstacle. They both ended up on the Plinko part in the Naughty, where they had to putt from really far away, and they both ended up in the freezing cold water. They both take two putts to get closer to the cup. Emilio is on the other side of one of the berms and somehow just knocks it in from 15 feet over the berm. Lance misses wide, our mailman goes home cold, and Emilio goes on to the second round. Our third hole brings in a new hole, which is holy matrimony. We have our first competing couple of holy moly, Adrian and Kate, who've been dating for a while and in their 20s, playing on this wedding-themed hole where you have to use a treadmill to try to jump onto a ring and then onto a cake. Neither of them made it onto the ring, which means they didn't get onto the cake, has a long putting route to get to the dance floor of the wedding-themed hole. Makes sense. Kate made a great second putt, again, following the tradition of this whole debut pair of episodes. And she wins after Adrian misses a really close second putt, but Adrian gets down on one knee, proposes, and now they're engaged. So Kitty goes on to the second round, now being engaged, and Adrian goes home and he's got to start figuring out how to plan that wedding. So congrats to them. That was a really cool extra thing that we got on that. And now we move on to our last hole of the first round of the second episode, which is fishing hole, which is more or less putter ducky with some water cannons and bobbing fish and a pretty cool themed area. We have Corey, who is the girl golf empowerment mom of three versus Sheena, who is a mini golf pro, but they show only golf stuff with her. It looks like she's done a lot of just golf competing. Either way, they're both two incredibly talented putters. But once again, on the second putt, Corey gets the better of Sheena and Sheena goes home early. And it's too bad because I think on the first episode, she might've done a little bit better on the putting, but that finishes off our first round of episode two. And so we kick off the second round with yet another new hole, King Parthur's Court. And this is going to feature Emilio versus Blake. And it's a pretty simple concept. You putt and then you get to joust against the Black Knight or whatever the Knight's name was. He was the Black Knight in my mind. It's good to see if you have a penalty. Fortunately, both got knocked off their horse. And despite a pretty favorable bounce for Emilio, Blake putts over the sword for his second putt and drains it for him to move on to the final. Pretty impressive. To see who he's going to be up against, we got to go through Double Dutch and Fuego, and that's going to put Corey versus Katie. Corey ends up just really getting the benefit of only being destroyed by one windmill, where Katie got taken out by both of them. Made a really nice kind of backdoor putt from pretty decent distance away to secure her place in the final. In episode two, we get to see the pecker again as the final hole, and it's Corey, our girl power mom, versus Blake's Ledge. <laughs> This time around, unlike episode one, both of them got the more advantageous channel, but Blake gets a much better kick at the end, putting him close to the hole, whereas Corey gets kicked off to the side, a much longer, much more difficult putt for her. They both also give better efforts on the pecker, but neither can tame it either this episode. And despite a really good run by Corey on her second putt, Blake becomes our episode two champion by really just taking advantage of his better position and rather easy putt to move on, get his plaid jacket, get his gold putter, and he's going to have a chance to play for $250,000. All right, we've gone through the episode, and now we're going to take some time to really talk about the things we liked, and maybe this will be a segment. Maybe we'll have a good name. Maybe we'll have a lead-in at some point, but for right now, we're just going to talk about what we enjoyed over the past two episodes, and I'm going to start 
I know we saw it on social media beforehand, but I love that they did the cold open with the ESPN press conference. And I will say yesterday I was talking to my aunt who watched it and she had no idea what was going on. She's like, did I have the right show on and everything? <laughs> so that like Saturday Night Live vibe, I think just sets the season so well up and, you know, all right, that's NBC, but ABC, whatever. You did a good job roping in the ESPN family to get us started this year. The thing that I recognized in the first two episodes that was a stark contrast to last year was representation. We had our first two episodes and we had two POC winners, which, you know, given the history of the show, we've had so few people of color that have won the episodes that this is a really great start. Absolutely. I also noticed that they spent probably a little bit more time on casting and lining up with the producers who is going to play their opening holes and really matching like the person's personality and theming with the hole. Um, mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see like holy matrimony. Are we going to get couples on that every single time sort of thing? And you know, we've had people like Christmas on ho ho ho. So I know they did a little bit about that, but this was definitely one where it was much more blatant and I think it worked well. I will say, I hope that holy matrimony doesn't become a tradition of just putting couples facing off on that. As much as I want to get back on holy moly, definitely don't want to play Robin on any hole in holy moly ever. If we can avoid ever having that happen. That would make me very happy. Well, you're, you're already married, so they can't get a marriage proposal out of you on the... <laughs> I have I, I worry that it could go the other direction depending on who wins. <laughs> that that's that's season four's episode is something snappy punny with divorce. Judge Wapner is is on it from the people's court. I am loving the costume characters. I talked about it with the Australian season with the chicken on foul play, and we had a whole cast of characters on King Parthur's court. We had a weird intro where people are grilling things. They shot this during COVID, so wearing masks is even more convenient now. But I just love that there's this strange universe of costume characters and human beings and these obstacles all combined. So more costume characters in my world equals better. And I like kind of going along with that, that there's still this sense of, even though it's definitely a multi-million dollar production, that it's kind of on a shoestring budget because we got Santa's reindeer breaking down on episode two. And it's just been this (laughs) through line through all the seasons. It's never not funny, of course, especially when you got Riggle just like doing his thing around it. And kind of along that lines, I love that we had course marshal joe in a tank top and a bar as a barkeep it like the whole bit seemed kind of corny and just it 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 works like building this weird world and making it even weirder and stranger i just love it It had super big lebowski vibes for whatever reason like yes played that part of the the stranger um and it was just it was perfect uh i made this comment when i was recapping i just wrote Put but play. We seem to be getting quicker play. None, there was all holes in two putts or less, except for we had a ho ho hole where they went to three. So we had things kind of move around, be snappy, and it didn't look like there were any cutaways. Like they were showing things from a lot of different angles. So that's a huge win, I think, for the viewers that you get to see the putting, you get to see it happen, you get rid of the conspiracy theory nonsense that people put out there, and you you make it just move right along. Yeah, and juxtaposing against like the shoestring budget, some of the stuff they went the other way because now we got like this full stat page for each of the competitors when they were introduced and there was these giant led screens on the course doing different things including uh curry's like you know 
congratulation of the winner at the end of everything. So that was kind of a cool to see with it. It was almost like Monday Night Football-esque sort of graphics that they've brought to the table now. Yeah, I, I, I like that they're trying to like really lean into the show becoming professional, but also taking a lot of pot shots at it with like Curry's little discussion of having holy moly holes in a big arena with 100,000 people. There's, there's like a lot of meta humor knowing like pre-COVID how hard it was for them to get audience people out for those late night shoots for those paid gigs. But then even funnier is that they're talking about 100,000 people watching when literally almost all of season three, and you can kind of tell from the cutaways, there was no audience there. There were a couple of cutaways that I'm almost 100% certain they were people that were watching teed off from season one because I remembered them being featured in that. I was like, you know, I've mentioned that I was in the audience during season two and I was like, unless that guy's got that same red jacket, that was totally from season two. But you know what? It's COVID. And I think to keep the fantasy world alive, I'm kind of glad they did that, but they also didn't make it seem like this weird, sterile set. They did what all the pro sports are doing. They're throwing in you know audience noise and all that and i'm here for it yeah we didn't get any cgi people in the background like we did the early days of sports <laughs> in covid which would have been really weird although quick you, you mentioned and i forgot to ask you so i was wondering this which city on your version of the broadcast did they make fun of Boston. Okay, uh, so I was wondering if it was a regional thing where they shot multiple versions of that, and they just put it was Boston here too. So, Curry, I don't know what you got against Boston, but I loved it. I mean, they're kind of like a good punching bag city because their Boston sports fans are really animated and excitable, and they've had a lot of wins, so you get to hear a lot from them. And I'm sure it was like poking fun at Bill Simmons, who kind of had some like back and forth banter with Curry. So I think it's so tongue in cheek to take anything like that said with even a small amount of seriousness is probably, you know, unnecessary. As a Boston sports fan, though, the last thing you need to do is rile us up because we become absolutely (laughs) insufferable. Well, maybe that's part of it. It's just like getting under people's skin because they kind of like winding people up and getting them excited. I mean, that's like the best part of some of like listening to the Ringer podcast is just people that he works with getting them wound up. Yeah. So the last couple just real quick, like uh, lightning round type things I had um, before I go into my power rankings. The, the beard bit at the beginning. Love Riggle's beard. Mm-hmm. We're big fans here on the, the podcast of beards. Uh, I thought the, the Genie Ty interview was just really funny because of the height difference and the way they showed it with his head cut off was just a good fit mm-hmm. starting out. And I, I got a shout out to the Alpenhorns because our home course where we have our tournament, Matterhorn, they have the Alpenhorns. And I was just like, oh, yes, that's that's so I don't know. It was like my two world mini golf worlds colliding again was just really awesome. I knew they looked familiar and I was trying to place why does Alpenhorns on a mini golf course make sense. But of course, Matterhorn, which someday I'll hopefully play. All right. So if you listened to us when we did our live version of season two, you know that I did the putting penguin power rankings of the winners of each of the episodes because they were going to go on to a super final and play for that 250,000. So going to do the same thing run it back for season three we've got two winners we got jose from episode one and blake from episode two and right now that's how i have them it's basically 1a and 1b both were really good putters and i gave jose a slight advantage because he seemed to have pretty good obstacle awareness since he got through both cornhole and double dutch and fuego on his way to his his victory so got to give him the edge for that we'll see what the rest of the winners do but looking forward to bringing this back every episode this season 
I think that's a pretty fair ranking. It's so hard to judge these episodes, oddly enough, because people just putted really well. All the people that won the holes made some pretty tough putts. You know, Tracy out of the sand and uh, Emilio over that berm. And even on King Parthur's court, that putt that Blake made over that sword. It's like they make those look so easy. You're on TV. It's just, it's impressive. And to kind of wrap up our recap, something that I started looking at in our Australian season were like completion of obstacles and what have you. And so I'm going to call this the whole story so far of season three. And two episodes in, as far as the holes go, we've seen 10 of them so far. And the trailers for the show said there's 12 new holes and then there's one lit on fire. So there's hopefully 13 this season. And I did count three other holes that I'll talk about in a second that are on there. So the holes that are totally new, we've seen the Pecker twice, surf, Turfing USA, King Parthur's Court, The Agony of Defeat, and Holy Matrimony. More or less, the holes in the premises on those are fully new. I would say that there's two variations on the obstacles in the fishing hole and cornhole. Cornhole is more or less a variation on hole number two. And as I said earlier, the fishing hole is a variation on putter ducky, both which we saw in season two. And then we more or less had three full returns with double dutch and fuego, which we saw twice. Hole number two, which he just fall into mud now. And hole, 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 which we've talked about a few times. is just volcano that frankly looks a lot better this time around too. The three holes that we have yet to see as far as I know are the parkade, the donut hole, and then there's a dinosaur-themed hole, which gets us to the 13, but maybe the distractor is yet to show up. We haven't seen it, and I haven't seen it in any previews, so maybe it's not around. And then there was another thing I saw on social media, and I've hinted at there's things that just get put up there. There was a huge hole with a foot. Maybe that'll be in season four, which might be waiting a year to see what that is. And as I talked about the completion rate of obstacles, so far we have six obstacles or whole obstacles that can be completed out of the 10 holes that have 0% completion. Agony of Defeat, you can't really complete. Turfing USA, we had 50%, one of two. The Cornhole, we only had one of four with 25%. Double Dutch Courage, we had 50% overall because we had Jose get through both. We had Katie miss through both and everybody else then got through the second windmill. And that's about it. The one thing I had as a note is that I'm certain that cornhole and hole number two are in the exact same structure. They just swapped out the mud with the foam blocks, which had to be a fun production thing. And that maybe King Parthur's court is on that same structure, but it might be on the fishing hole. Watching those establishing shots at the beginning of the episodes, and I took some screenshots. So you can see what the dino hole looks like. You can see the donut hole. And you can get a little bit of a look at Parkade as well. Really excited to see all of those. But that's the whole story so far in season three. And kind of go back to it and see how the completion rate is. The main thing that I would finish with is it seems like the newer holes are a little less violent and you're falling in the foam blocks. And that's a good thing. Oh, and I think I forgot to mention the pecker, which nobody completed that. But I had mentioned that there were six holes that had 0% completion and that the pecker was one of them. And that's a perfect transition because... We're going to do design time with Mr. T and I'm going to be pretty brief and I'm only going to really probably talk about in detail some of the newer holes. And I wanted to start off with the pecker, which we've seen as a finale for both of our first two episodes. And it's a long pachinko hole for the putting part. And then there's a big woodpecker that is a massive double entendre. It's more or less this year's Uranus. You're going to get a lot of pecker jokes left and right from Joe and Riggle. And you're even going to get it from the contestants. I like that you have this moving obstacle that you have to jump on. It seems like it's relatively soft. 
and you fall into some foam blocks if you don't happen to get on the pecker at the right time when it's tilting towards you and you jump to it from this like probably platform that looks like it's about 20 feet up. And if you don't grab the feather, you don't save yourself a stroke. It seems like everybody's going to get thrown in, but that they're getting thrown in foam blocks. I like that. I do like that there are two channels on the ramp and it's got that pachinko style, but I did think it was weird. And I believe it was in the second episode where Corey and Blake both hit the more advantageous left channel, but Corey just got like a bad bounce and the ball ended up on the other side of like the turf berm. And Blake was on the right side and had a two foot putt. And that made all the difference on that hole. And it seems weird that they both make the advantageous putt, but their position was wildly more different. I don't know if it's going to matter at all this season, frankly, how people putt this one on the first one. It's sort of a, let's see what happens and you might get lucky and you really need to get the feather off of the pecker if you want to save on it. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll come back and say some more things about it, but we've seen this one twice. It's new. It's a different premise. It's fun. And I like it. So this is design time with Mr. T. And we'll keep doing this through this season as long as we feel like the holes are really fun. So to wrap up, we're going to do big thoughts, mini golf. Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And the same could be said for mini golf course. Miniature design bring you on a journey with little details all over the place. It might not always be easy to enjoy those details, say, especially when you're trying to play around with young kids. But if you have a chance, look around. Same goes for when watching Holy Moly. Don't be afraid to use that pause button from time to time or, you know, as Tom said, take a few screenshots. You never know what tidbits you might find hiding on the mini golf course. And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, putt when ready. It'd be really interesting to see how long this is (laughs) because I have no idea.